Hey everyone, welcome back to the Vanessa on Films podcast. This is just a podcast where I, also with guests sometimes, it really depends, uh, but today there's not going to be a guest, but basically it's just a podcast where we talk about news um, from the world of, whoa, I don't like the way that sounded. Anyways, this is a podcast where we talk about news from the world of film and television, and uh, yeah, we just talk about them uh share the news give our opinions i'm saying our but again there's no guests on this episode it's just me um the reason why i am dropping another episode this week is because i really want to start um yeah i just want to start dropping them on a specific date like i'm probably aiming for wednesdays but i'm not sure um and yeah so i didn't want to wait like longer than a week to uh, drop a new episode so I thought why not just do another one now and uh, I'm hoping that for next week I can have a guest but if not it's fine it's more of just yeah anyways uh, next week there will also be another episode and please follow I don't know how podcasts work but I'm just doing this because I want to talk so yeah whether you want to follow is or subscribe i don't know how it works is up to you but um there was a lot of news that was really exciting like i dropped the last episode i think on monday or tuesday and i've been you know like trying to collect some notes and news for this episode and i realized that a lot actually happened and yeah I, I guess it's because it's starting to ramp up due to the fact that, like, blockbuster season is really upon us. So, let's get started. Now, if you know anything about movies, you definitely have seen the trailer for what I'm about to talk about. So, of course, the Doom 2 trailer dropped. Um, I feel like there was already, like, a teaser or something. So, this may have been a new trailer. I can't even remember anymore. But anyways, the point is, is that the trailer dropped. This is going to be in theaters this november uh specifically november 3rd and i feel like everyone is talking about this trailer just because of how good it looks like from a visual point of view i feel like everything about this is going to be bigger than the first one the first one was really based in world building it really was it was about like getting the lore down and of course there was a lot of action the cinematography was great as well it's just i think this one is really gonna start diving really deep into for lack of better words like the war aspect of it and like the fighting between you know who all the characters and stuff like that but yeah i feel like a lot of people are definitely noticing how much better and i feel like how more like nuance and details the visuals look greg Fraser is still the cinematographer but yeah i i think this is definitely like a detail that people are noticing i know a lot of people yeah a lot of people were definitely really upset at the fact that greg Fraser didn't get nominated for the batman that came out last year but i feel like it's okay it'll they'll make it up to him uh with doom part two and Above all else, I think that he's probably going to win again. Like, 
I hate talking about award season all the time, but it's kind of just this for, like very pervasive thing that shows up at all times if you're invested in film and television. Like it's something that you always have in the back of your mind. And I don't know. I I, I feel like if I feel like if Dune is as good as the first one, which I don't think it's going to be as good. I think it's going to be better than the first one. I feel like this it'll definitely get nominated for best picture, but like. I feel like more than that, it's probably going to be one of the front runners. Just from what we've seen and what I've heard about it have been just really positive. And yeah, so the trailer dropped. I'm not going to lie, like I'm kind of scared about where this movie is going to be premiering. Just because I think it might be premiering at TIFF. I had to pause and just like let it soak in because I feel like it might be premiering at TIFF. I'm not exactly sure. Like, I'm going to be honest. I feel like when it comes to the major film festivals, TIFF is like the least prestigious one. Like, everyone always turns to Venice and, of course, the European ones before TIFF. I understand that, but since this movie is coming out in November, I feel like it's... I feel like they're aiming for um, a TIFF premiere. It's also, I don't know, like Denny's Canadian. So um, I, I feel like that's just something that people are going to be thinking about. I, I think it's going to premiere a TIFF, but like, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think they're going to say anything about it just yet. Um, but yeah, uh, I... I don't know. Like that's just something I've been thinking about, and I'm 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 excited to figure out where it's going to premiere. But I'm I think it's going to be a TIFF. I think yeah no like I th- I feel like it has to be TIFF. But anyways, um, I actually didn't write anything about this, but um, yeah, like I I started thinking about TIFF, and I was like, okay, well let's just let's just talk about this now. Um, it was actually just announced that I'm pretty sure yesterday. Um, it was announced that next goal wins which is taika waititi's newest film it is going to be premiering at tiff so this was actually the first film that they announced for the festival this season which i i don't know this is going to come off as kind of like harsh but it just feels like a fake movie like if you like i don't know just everything that i've heard about it and like the trailers and stuff like and the first looks that we got from it, it just feels like a movie that they, like, play in a movie, if that makes sense. But anyways, I I don't know. I, I, yeah, it's exciting that we're, like, getting news about, like, the festival and, like, what movies are going to be premiering. I'm definitely going to watch the movie. Like, I'm, I'm, like, not even, like, mad about the choice. It's just, I I didn't even know that it was going to, like, like, the fact that it is premiering somewhere and that it is being released feels kind of fake to me. If, if this isn't making sense, I'll move on. But anyways, yeah. Next goal wins. Um, it's going to be premiering at TIFF. <sighs> this next piece of news. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Um, I... Let me clarify that I enjoyed the book. Um, and, and me just saying that, I feel like people know what I'm talking about. But... So we got a director for the seven husbands of evelyn hugo adaptation for netflix yeah so leslie headland is actually going to direct the film it's been confirmed and everything 
and uh yeah so she's done a lot she's done a lot of like uh like writing and oh sorry i moved my mic that's gonna happen a lot like get used to it but anyways like she's done a lot of like writing and directing and she's actually the creator of the acolyte which is a new star wars series it's gonna be on disney plus soon and yeah so she's been confirmed as the director for the adaptation for the book and apparently this was obviously like a really sought after film which i guess makes sense just because it has such a strong like fan base behind it and people are really looking forward to it even people who don't even like the book have just been like really really looking forward to it because it's such a it's just been like such a moment in culture it's just been such a huge thing that like everyone knows about it and yeah apparently a lot of people really saw after this directing role but it went to leslie at the end of the day i i mean like i i can't really like speak to if she, if i think she's a good fit like i don't she's done stuff but it's like i i feel like this is a really i would never take on a role like this mind you like i can't direct but i'm saying like if i could i don't think i would just because of like it's such an insanely pressure-filled role because like the stands are insane but but anyways besides that i the fact that we got confirmation that you know like there's a director now well that unfortunately means that uh the movie is happening like the project is going ahead and i say unfortunately just because like i do not want this book to be adapted into a netflix movie like this is like one of the worst things that could have possibly happened to this book isn't you can't unless it's like a three-hour movie which i don't think netflix is going to do i just everything about this is like shaping up for it to be like a 25 percent on rotten tomatoes it just like like how can you how can you go about telling this expansive story that has like flashbacks and like eight like yeah literally like seven different love interests and like or eight i don't even remember but it's like that but also like there's also the storyline with the reporter which i'm forgetting her name monique oh my god i forgot monique's name it just like how can you like how can you focus on all of that and still make sure that everything is being looked at with like a sense of care in one movie like this here's a thing here's a thing it could have been an award-winning it could have been an award-winning hbo miniseries if everyone's cards were played right okay i just don't like the fact that this is being turned into a movie i really really wish that it it was a miniseries just because like i feel like you need you need time to like grow alongside these characters and like sit with these characters i don't think a movie can actually like give you that and i don't think a movie can like tell it properly again the movie the movie isn't even like made or like it hasn't even been released yeah i know that i'm not judging the what the final product will be i'm just thinking like from 
a logistical standpoint. Like, I don't know if this is the best decision. And, yeah, I don't know. Like, the, I'm, I'm, like, so excited to see the reaction on Twitter when, like, the cast gets announced. The, the director, it's like, okay, fine, whatever. But when the cast gets announced, oh my god. Like, I'm gonna have to, like, turn off my phone for a couple of days. It's gonna be too much. But, but yeah, so congrats to Leslie Headland. This is, like, obviously, like, a huge opportunity and... I I think I like if you're if you're like unfamiliar with the accolade I I've read like the synopsis and like I've heard a lot of stuff about it and like I don't know I'm I'm kind of excited about it I feel like the Star Wars franchise is becoming really really big right now as in like from from a lore point of view like there's a lot of movies and shows that get announced and then they just like nothing happens with them like they just end up being like canceled the projects so i just i i hope that when the acolyte drops like i hope that it is as good as it sounds and so yeah we got some news about the adaptation for the seven husbands of evelyn hugo i oh wow like this is just i don't even know what to say we'll we'll move on because i feel like i could talk a whole episode about this one movie and I don't want to do that to you guys so let's move on I I'm really excited about this next movie um so we actually got confirmation that Eileen that's a film starring Anne Hathaway and Thompson McKenzie it's going to be released in theaters this December 8th so of this year I'm really excited I I moved my mic again I'm sorry um yeah, anyways, I'm really excited about this movie just because I've actually been reading a lot of, like, Otessa Moshfeg's, um, novels recently. What did I read? I read Lapvona, I believe that's what it's called. I, I'm forgetting the titles of these books and, like, everything today. Let me, let me look them up. So, I haven't read Eileen, actually, which is her first novel. I, I haven't read it, um, but this, that is, of course, what the movie is based on. I surprisingly haven't read my year of rest and relaxation yet even though i feel like that's probably her most popular book um you know like iconic book cover and everything um apparently your ghost lanthimos was supposed to be adapting that with emma stone and i love them working together like i'm really excited for poor things and, st and stuff like all, all the other projects that they're eventually going to do together. But I don't know if the adaptation for my year of rest and relaxation is happening. I just, I feel like it's probably, it's probably like a thought that they have. Maybe they're writing a script. I don't know. But I feel like he, from what I've read of Otessa, which I'll get to eventually, I feel like Lenthimos is such a good director for like her style of writing. And so, the things that I have read from Otessa are Death in Her Hands, that is a 2020 book. I've read her newest, which is Lapfona, which is from um, last year. Really, like, gross. I don't know how else to explain it. It was kind of like a really gross book. And if you read it, you'll understand what I'm saying. And then, I also read her collection of uh, short stories, which is called Homesick for Another World. She has a really, like, defined style of writing, which I really, really love. And she's, like, not afraid to write, like, the worst characters. And I don't mean worse as in a writing point of view. I mean, like, worst in, like, 
like morally corrupt kind of way. I, I think I think it's really like cool that she doesn't necessarily care and she writes the characters as they should be written, like within the context of how they should be written. And yeah, so we got confirmation that uh, the adaptation of Eileen is going to be releasing this December, December 8th. And uh, I, I know that the book is about basically Thomas and Mackenzie's character is, you know, um, Eileen. Yeah, so she's like a young secretary at a prison. And, well, I don't know about, okay, wait, I should probably state this. I don't know if the book, if the, the adaptation is necessarily following like the book per se, but I know that it's taking place in the 60s in New England. And yeah, so Eileen, played by Thomas and Mackenzie, is a she works at a prison. I'm going to assume she's playing a secretary. And yeah, then a counselor arrives being played by Anne Hathaway. And uh, yeah, so they kind of like start hanging out. Um, the counselor, I think her name is Rebecca. Yeah, the counselor kind of just like gets Eileen to like open up and stuff like that. But kind of like leads her into like, yeah, I guess, I guess you could say like dangerous areas of and stuff like that and i i know that it premiered at sundance this year i don't know the reactions to it but I, i'm gonna assume it's positive wait hold on there are oh my god wait there are oh it's one of those movies it's one of those books i just read something i'm not gonna spoil it but yeah anyways um yeah so i i, th I think it has pretty good reviews so far like i i think I think, like, from the, for, like, critics, it has, like, an 88%, which is really, really good. Um, I, I don't, I, I, again, like, I don't know a lot about the book. I'm, I probably want to read it before it gets dropped in theaters, obviously. Um, but, like, I'm also, like, not, let's actually have this conversation. I actually, like, don't care about, like, reading the book or the story or whatever of, a TV show or a movie like before it the the movie or like the adaptation gets released like I don't necessarily care about that kind of thing um I I can read it after or before like it doesn't affect me but I feel like some people are like very like religious about that like they're like no 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 I have to read it before or I have to read it after and it's like me it's like I don't even care like some like yeah I don't know but I I am excited to read the book I'm excited about this movie and I feel like I feel like I'm, like, most excited about seeing, like, Anne Hathaway work with someone like Thomas and Mackenzie and, like, seeing th the chemistry that they have and, like, what they bring to this kind of story and what they bring to Otessa's, like, vision. Because I feel like they're, again, like, from what I know of Otessa's writing, I feel like, I feel like they're really good choices for her kind of writing. And so, yeah, December 8th, of this year it is dropping in theaters and you should all go watch it so tron 3 it is having a loser off and what i mean by that is that jared leto i think yeah jared leto is the lead unfortunately and then evan peters was actually just announced as the villain for the film why there needs to be a third tron film i don't know the first okay this is what's funny though like i didn't like the first one but the second one like 
I really love the vision that they took with that. Like, Kaczynski is really good at directing, like, big blockbusters. And you know what's funny? I actually thought Tron Legacy was, like, a box office flop, but I I just looked at it, and I think the budget was, like, 170 and it made, like, 400 which, like, I guess to a lot of people wouldn't be considered very good, but, like, it still made money. And, like, a lot of people showed up for it, which is, I think, cool. Um, I feel like if you grew up in, like, the 2010s, like, Tron Legacy was a movie that a lot of people, like, spoke about, at least from, like, a sci-fi point of view. Um, I feel like it was, it's, a, it's like, a movie that a lot of people, like, turn to and uh, discuss, at least for, like, visuals and, like, um... Yeah, like, like, aesthetic purposes. I think that's something that that movie did really good. Like, I I don't know, like, I feel like um, a lot of, like, sci-fi or, like, even, like, big blockbusters in general, like, there is something, like, that is definitely, like, missing from... Definitely something that's, like, mi missing from, I guess, just how they look. Like, I feel like I've spoken a lot about this. They... They just look bad. And I, I'm sorry about that pause, but it's like I don't know how else to say it. And I feel like there is an over-reliance on a lot of, like, the tech. And, of course, like, Tron Legacy did use a lot of tech. Of course. But I feel like... I feel like it's fine if it, like, looks okay. And that's such a, like, a simplistic way to put it, but... Yeah. I, I don't know how else to say it. I don't know. But I I actually didn't even want to talk about Tron Legacy, the second one. And I, I, I think I just like started talking about like why why is there a third Tron? I don't know. But I feel like I feel like Evan Peters is like again, like I do think that like both like Evan Peters and Jared Leto are like weirdos, but I feel like Evan Peters as a villain is kind of like pretty I feel like it's a very inspired choice, um, and I, I think it'll be cool to see, like, what he brings to something like this. Um, I don't, I don't know, but also, I feel like, I feel like studios need to stop making, like, Jared Leto as it'll eat happen, like, it is, it's never a good choice. I don't know, but anyways, uh, I'm gonna move on because I don't necessarily know if I have anything else to say regarding that. So we'll move on to, oh, this is fun. This is fun. And it, I'm going to like, it, this is going to sound so harsh, but like, I'm just being realistic. So the showrunner of Warrior Nun, uh, Simon Davis Barry, he actually confirmed that the show is coming back. And yeah, so basically it was canceled by Netflix, I think, in its second season and yeah so it was canceled and you know fans went into uproar has like a it's a pretty like solid fan base obviously and there was a lot of petitions there was a lot of like hashtags and you know it kind of like went viral and um yeah so now it's coming back i this is like really rare. I feel like it's happened a couple of times when it comes to like show cancellations and 
the fan support being so strong that it like either finds a new platform or it comes back on the same platform and is renewed it's just <laughs> it's like i don't i don't know the like logistics surrounding this like how can you decipher like what can be saved and what can't and like i don't know there's just so many layers to this i it, it was kind of like funny like no offense to the fans of the show but it was kind of funny like seeing people like it should have been yeah like on twitter people are like it should have been and then they randomly say something like whatever um also no shade but i saw a tweet I, I wish i could like find it it was it was uh someone tweeted they're like i know those and with it e uh, stands are mad and it's like yeah because they they like i feel i feel like the and with and with an e like stands are kind of like i i feel like everyone knows about what the fans went through to like try to save that show like i've never watched an episode of the show and i still know about like the efforts they went through like they were randomly in like they were like in reese witherspoon's instagram comments like telling her to save the show just because she has like a production company and it's like it's so i don't know like for me when something gets canceled it's kind of like it's over <laughs> like i don't know but uh it's it's cool seeing like people become it's cool seeing people like this in love with something that they're like willing to like embarrass themselves on twitter like online for it i don't know it's cool to me um yeah i i don't know like i uh if people are like familiar with one day at a time um it was a sitcom on netflix and it got canceled and then this a similar thing happened like there were a lot of petitions and like fans being mad and stuff like that so it got renewed but it got moved to a different platform so like netflix only has like i think the first three seasons on it and then it got renewed but like on like pop tv or some shit like i don't know it, it, yeah so season four is on a different platform and yeah basically what happened with that is that it got renewed for the fourth season but they literally got canceled again yeah, the show got cancelled again, like, after the fourth season. So it came back, I guess, for the fourth. It ended, like, I feel like the way it ended felt like a series finale anyway, so it was fine. It's just, like, they went through all that, and then it ended up getting cancelled again. I don't know, like, I would feel defeated, but whatever. Um, so Warrior Nun, to those who like the show, it's coming back. I don't even know like if it's probably not going to be on Netflix. They probably they're probably going to find another home for it. But yeah, uh, I guess I guess it's cool. Um, and at the end of the day, this is Netflix's fault for like not knowing how to share their content and their shows, like dropping things all at once and then kind of just like hiding them away or not. Or not like advertising them well is gonna get it canceled like not a lot of people are gonna tune in you have to give it time to grow um this was like a fairly new show as well so i don't know but anyways it's coming back um shout out to everyone who used the hashtag or signed a petition or whatever let me take a drink of water before we start this next news this next piece of news kind of like had me a little scared because allegedly 
when it came to the role of Superman and Lois Lane, they were being they were testing the actors in pairs. This is what was allegedly happening. Although like I'm calling bullshit on it just because like I don't think that's what happened. I don't even know if James gonna confirm this or not, but like if he did, he's probably a liar. Because they were they were testing the actors in pairs. And then the people who were chosen at the end weren't even part of a pair. So So basically this is how this is how the alleged pairs went. So it was Nicholas Holt and Rachel Brosnahan, David Cornsweet and Emma Mackey, and then it was Tom Brittany and Phoebe Debner. And I was looking at these pairings and I'm like, they set Rachel Brosnahan up so badly. Because like from from the three Lois Lanes, like Rachel was like my choice. Like I I was I was spreading the Rachel Brosnahan, Lois Lane propaganda. And I was, yeah, like I was just spreading propaganda. And uh, I was a Rachel Brosnahan, Lois Lane warrior. But then when I saw that they put her with Nicholas Holt, I'm like, this is so bad for her. Like, okay. Oh my God, I have to laugh. Like, I'm, how do I say this? This is not me saying that Nicholas Holt is a bad actor. Like, I think he's a really good actor. I'm saying that he is not good for the role of Superman. And and yes, maybe you could say... Maybe you could... Maybe you could you, you could say that I am just looking at looks, but that's not the truth. Like, I think... I think he's, like, a little bit more weird than what the Superman role entails and so that's why i want if he's on that list for lex luther like i think he should you know like try to try to squeeze himself in there somehow it's just i don't know like i he he auditioned for like batman which cool like i feel like he probably would have been better at that than superman but the thing is like i don't know basically what i'm saying is if i was an actor i would not do these franchise roles but anyways what I'm saying is also like I don't know like I feel like if they were gonna do the pairing like I was like oh it's over for it's over for Rachel and then I was like oh they're it's gonna be David and Emma and I was like okay fine sure but then I think like two days later or a day later it was confirmed that David Cornsweet and Rachel Brosnahan were chosen as Superman and Lois which which is literally the greatest thing to happen to me. No, I'm joking. It's it's fine. It's just cool because I think they are really good choices. But I don't really... Honestly, like, I don't really care about who was chosen as Superman. Like, I was more at it for, like, okay, who is playing Lois? And, you know, like, I'm not saying that I manifested it. But um, I'm saying I manifested it. Um, And, yeah, I think they're going to be really good together they, they literally look like they're ripped right from the comics. They look the part, but, like, I don't really care about that. Like, for me, it's more of, like, I think, I think, like, Rachel has kind of, like, the, the, the tenacity and, like, determination that's, like, and, and even, like, the sense of humor. She's good at, like, that kind of sense of humor that, like, Lewis has. And I think, like, she could really bring something to that. Um, and also I'm pretty sure David has kind of like always wanted to play Superman. So it's just cool to see that happen for him. It's kind of funny because I actually just started watching House of Cards 
and they're both in it so i don't know i think i think the universe was saying something when i decided to start house of cards they're like i don't know but i'm i'm fucking with you i don't i don't think that's true but um yeah it's it's just it's cool to see that we finally like have it's cool to see that we have like the casting um i mean like i'm not really i don't really like i don't really like fuck with superhero movies anymore and stuff like that but i i also just wanted to share the news um and i'm i'll try to be optimistic about it um and i'm gonna move on from kind of this big huge franchise these like huge ip characters to an original film and the reason i'm doing that is because i want to shout it out um this isn't part of the shout out segment at the end but um I'm, I want to talk a little bit about the blackening and the, bo- the box office, like, numbers surrounding that. So, yeah, it's been in theaters, I think, for about a week or two, and it's actually made almost three times its production budget. And, yeah, so this is a satire. It's an original comedy. And, yeah, essentially, it, it follows a group of black friends who go to a cabin for kind of, like, this weekend getaway or whatever, and then they are being, you know, hunted down by a killer. And yeah, again, it's a satire about, you know, um, when a horror film has a black person in it, they're usually not the main character. And then that obviously means they're one of the first ones to die. And yeah, it's just about them like using their street smarts, but also like their knowledge of horror films and bringing like what they know or like the stereotypes of what they knew. And of course, they use that to... um not get killed and of course the entire movie is like satirizing the racism and like the dynamics of these like slashers and like horror films and yeah i I think it's really really cool that something like this has made as much money as it has it's made again i'm gonna say like maybe three to four times its production budget And what I really think is happening right now is that, again, it doesn't have a lot of, it doesn't have a lot of, like, marketing value to it. Like, it's, it's, or or I should say marketing budget to it. Um, I've honestly only seen it because, like, pre-shows at the theaters and when they show, like, segments with the cast doing, like, interviews. But I think what's really happening here is that it's, it's getting a lot of like word of mouth right now like friends are recommending it to friends they're talking about how funny it is how smart it is um and yeah i think that's what's happening like social media is talking about it it definitely is kind of this movie that is based in word of mouth and is showing the power of word of mouth and so yeah i, I it's still in theaters it's probably gonna start dwindling out of theaters just because hollywood is annoying And the theater system is also kind of annoying now. Um, And with more big blockbusters coming in, they're definitely going to start, like, kicking it out. So if you have a chance, go watch it. And yeah, it's just really cool to see, like, the way the word of mouth is happening right now with this movie. I am also going to... What do I want to say about this next piece of news? I think Phoebe Waller-Bridge is the funniest person ever. And... Yeah, from, like, a comedy point of view, but also, like, she has an Amazon deal, 
that's worth like a lot of money and she's developing a bunch of projects but nothing has dropped yet she's writing a bunch of projects nothing is like even coming to fruition yet like nothing like nothing is happening with this amazon deal and i think it's really really funny um but basically she's developing a tomb raider series based on the video game obviously and she's describing it as dangerous and exciting and yeah so she what she's doing is she's basically like taking this franchise and she she says that she wants to bring a lot of she, she says that she really loves the character but she also wants to bring like the 90s vibe to it back which i feel like is really intrinsic to the to the the video games i feel like what what failed with the alicia vikander version i actually really liked that movie not gonna lie like it was a fun it was a fun action movie and i kind of like those like action adventure films but i feel like what failed is like that like like 90s humor and like the 90s like action wasn't really present and i feel like when you're doing a tomb raider movie that kind of has to be there and yeah so i i i hope that in some capacity that, that like 90s vibe can come back into into this franchise through this tv series but it's also funny because like i honestly don't even know if this is happening like phoebe waller bridge was attached to the mr and mrs smith um series and then she's like actually no i think she's still like i think she's still like part of it from in like a background perspective like from like a creation perspective but like, she's not starring it anymore and that that hasn't even come out yet and i don't even know if it's filming so again like that's something that's like kind of up in the air but i i think it's it'll happen with this like this is in really early stages so who knows it's if it's happening um but i i just think it's really cool that what happened was phoebe waller bridge wrote a really good one woman show it got adapted into a series and it's like one of the most critically acclaimed shows of all time and then all of a sudden all of a sudden they're like here here's this money we want you to produce content for us and then yeah nothing has really happened yet i can confirm that she spoke a little bit about the tomb raider series and i really do think that like i feel like with her sense of humor the 90s style will work and yeah that's all i can say about that for right now I'm going to move on to Ari Aster. So he actually said that his next film is going to be called Eddington and it's being described as a Western noir. It's an ensemble movie. Um, and yeah, it's actually set during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm going to assume during like the earlier stages of the pandemic. And yeah, so... Uh, I feel like Ari Aster is actually should actually start doing ensemble movies more often. Maybe not not something as like large as Wes Anderson. Like like Wes Anderson really really drives home the ensemble film. You know, like he he really utilizes like everyone part of the ensemble. And I don't know. I think like Ari like with his with his like style. I feel like ensemble films really could work. So again, his next film called Eddington, it is a Western noir. But what I really, really like about Ari Aster is that he actually makes contemporary movies. Like he sets them in contemporary times. He they're they're modern. 
it's just it's really rare to see kind of like I would consider Ari Aster an auteur and it's really really rare that something like that actually happens nowadays like a lot of times auteurs turn to um different decades and different centuries and sets their films in there and there's nothing there's literally nothing wrong with that like like you can make a period piece if you want it's just I'm saying that it is really rare and it would be nice if like I guess it would be nice if like more directors could actually like set their movies in modern time I don't know it's just like we I we don't need like an oversaturation of period films and like I'm thinking of also also like something like Celine Song's newest film Past Lives like that is set in modern times it is contemporary film and it's just it's just like I feel like a lot of directors are like afraid to set their movies in in modern times and like sure maybe some of them don't really give a shit and want to just make what they want to make and want to set it in the 60s for example that's fine but like when I think of something like Celine Song's film I just like can't help but feel like we are missing some like movies like that like why can't someone just why can't we just have movies that take place in modern times and I know and I know a lot of them do and I understand that they do and I'm not saying there's no mo every movie is a period piece so I'm saying I'm just saying like we really need people who are good at directing to like I feel like it would be really interesting to see their take on modern times and like and yeah I guess like 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 being able to put what they're feeling and what they're seeing now on screen instead of what they are seeing now in like the past that probably didn't make sense but it made sense to me so whatever anyways but um yeah it's cool to see that Ari is like talking about his newest film I'm excited for it I actually still haven't watched but was afraid I know that's really bad of me I really really wanted to go see it in theaters and then it just like never happened because like I'm a loser and but I, another thing that's like really really cool to me is the fact that like it's gonna be a western that's set in like that's set during the pandemic so I don't know how he's gonna go about that but like being able to take a western that that genre that still exists and still can be placed in modern times but actually like I keep saying modern times but you know what I'm saying but it's like it's it's gonna be cool to see how he takes the western which a lot of people like equate to a time that isn't now and how he brings that in to like his style and like and the world we're currently living in so again awesome awesome news all around um directors if you're listening to this just make more movies that happen in the present anyways this next piece of news actually pissed me off and the reason being is that Asteroid City uh it's available on video on demand July 11th which is in a couple of days I, I'm like looking at my notes and what I literally wrote down is let movies stay in theaters again because like Asteroid City has been in theaters for like from the time I'm filming it like a week and then July 11th is in like two weeks so that means it'll have three weeks of purely being in theaters at least for like a wide release and I just like Hollywood in like the industry in general does not like making money like I'm convinced 
And there's actually, I'm going to get into that more with the next piece of news. But what I'm saying is that it just, it, it's fine. Like people, if people want to continue watching movies, video on demand and, or like they want to watch them at their house and they want to watch it on demand, that's fine. But let movies stay in theaters and let movies have the time to breathe. Like, I don't know. I, all I'm saying is that like, if you haven't watched Asteroid City in theaters, you have to go. If you want to watch it at home, Sure. I'm not judging your decision to watch a movie on demand. It's actually like a great way for a movie to make money as well. But what I'm saying is that I feel like this is a movie you have to watch in theaters. It, it's funny. It's if you're in a theater that's like pretty full, it'll like you'll get a lot. There'll be a lot of laughs. Like it'll be a good time. But above all else, I feel like the set design and yeah, the set design, the people who like created the vending machines and the soda machines and like all the, like the set de decoration and the art direction all of those aspects are so well made that I feel like it's a really good thing if you just go watch it in theaters like seeing all the details on a huge big screen and you know like seeing the colors and um all the little like props and stuff like that on a big screen and like having that detail just like in your face it's it was such a fun experience and like i really it just really made me appreciate a lot more production design is like has always been like one of my favorite aspects of film and like i'm saying like this movie will make you appreciate it more especially if you have like a high quality huge screen to watch it on so again like it's so dumb that this is going to be on demand soon and i'm sure it'll be on demand and still in theaters but it's just like i feel like hollywood is like allergic to making money like they just don't want their projects to make money so anyway if you haven't go watch asteroid city in theaters i'm gonna oh my god i have to groan like that's the only thing i have to do with this next news speaking of hollywood not um making money so dial of destiny it is looking to earn 140 million in its worldwide opening weekend so this is of course the newest indiana jones film it is coming out um today i think yeah i think i'll i think i'll drop this episode the same day that i'm filming it or, or recording it i should say and yeah so it's looking to earn 140 million worldwide that would be fine if the budget wasn't what it is okay at first i thought the 140 million was domestic and i was like okay that's really good but then i was like it was worldwide i'm like okay that's worse but that's not that's still not bad and then i saw that the budget was 295 million dollars almost 300 million i'm gonna assume that it's closer to 300 million actually this is not only the most expensive indiana jones film it is the most one of the most expensive movies ever made, like, of all time, in any place, not just Hollywood. Like, this is, this is an, an insane number. There is no reason for an Indiana Jones movie to be close to three hundred million in budget. There is no reason. There's literally no reason for a movie to cost more than eighty million. That is, that is, that is my strongest belief. Like, your movie does not need to cost more than eighty million dollars. And I'm like a firm believer in suggesting that that a huge chunk of that 80 million 
or a huge chunk of any budget really should go towards marketing. Like, what is so special about this movie that it costs almost $300 million to make? Like, every time I see, a, like, a huge blockbuster and the budget is, like, over $200 million, I'm like, this isn't, like, there is no need for this. There's just, like, absolutely no need for it. Like, I'm sure that, like, I'm just thinking about it right now and I just don't even know if this movie will make close to $500 million, like, once its run is done. And, yeah, sure, $500 million for the average movie is a huge amount of money. Like, this is this is obviously like a great thing for a movie if if it makes close to 500 million but that would be a great thing for a movie with like a smaller budget with a with a movie with a budget like 300 million only making for example i'm just throwing a number out there like 500 million is really really bad because it's at the end of the day it's probably not profitable so i just had to like sit with myself for a second when i saw that the budget was close to 300 million cuz this is like an in- an insane amount of money that i'm just saying like like no offense this movie like i'm probably gonna end up going to watch it and stuff like that but uh, like i really don't i don't get it like i really do not i don't sorry i'm just like thinking like the amount of like indie directors that could have made small movies with this budget I, I just, it's just, I don't know, like, I don't understand how they can think, like, oh, this is, like, the fifth movie in the franchise, uh, let's give it 300 million dollars to make, and I've also heard, like, things that, like, James Mangold's directing is not very good, which is kind of surprising, or at least not good for, like, the type of movie that Indiana Jones is supposed to be, that's probably a bad way to put it, but, um, yeah, it just, I feel like the bad reactions or the mixed reactions at Cannes were, like, kind of, like, not the final nail in the coffin, but, like, one of the nails in the coffin, and, yeah, I don't know, but Dial of Destinies in theaters, um, go, go support it if you want to. I don't necessarily know if this movie was a good decision from, like, a financial standpoint. I don't think, I mean, I don't think anyone thinks it was, but, yeah. Um, yeah, that, I don't even know what to say. I'm kind of, like, at a loss for words. Uh, but I'm gonna move on to the segment of the show where basically me and a guest, or today it's just gonna be me, we mention either a film or a TV show that we just want to talk about. It doesn't necessarily have to be our favorite. It doesn't have to be something that we enjoy. It doesn't have to be something we hate. It can literally be anything. We can talk about an element of it. We can talk about it in general our opinions. Yeah, it's just a way to, like, give something attention. And, uh, I, I actually do want to talk about one of my favorite movies today. So, Kill Bill Volume 1, it is one of my favorite movies of all time. It, it was in my top four letterbox for a very long time. It still probably is my favorite, but I, I don't have it in my top four any longer, which, you know, it's fine. It's fine. But it's, it's like one of my it's one of my favorite movies. I'm not exactly sure when I watched it or even why I watched it, but I was definitely a young teenager. I'm not exactly sure like what age I was. And uh, one one thing about a movie like this is that it's kind of funny. Like it makes me really like sit and wonder like, is this one of my favorite movies because of when I watched it? 
and like what age I watched it and like where I was in my life when I watched it. Like this might not make sense, but to me, like Kill Bill Volume 1, specifically Volume 1, is one of those movies that if you don't watch it when you are a 14-year-old or like younger or specifically a 14-year-old girl, you'll enjoy the film. You'll really, really love it. But if it's if that's not like the first time or like around the first time that you watch it, well, I don't know. Like I, I don't think you'll have you would have the reaction that you would if you were younger. And what I mean by that is like I feel like if you watch it at a really like a, a younger age you think it's like the greatest thing in the world which i still think it is but i'm just wondering like maybe like like my kind of like reaction to it as a younger person um like affects the way i still think of it and it's just like one of those movies that you watch and you're like this is so badass this is like the best thing i've ever seen and it's like i i really wish i i could like erase having watched it as a younger teen and like watch it for the first time again and like see what I think I honestly still think it would I, I'm like I'm like having like theories like in my head like running around my head like I honestly still think it would be one of my favorites I just, again like this is impossible to know it's just it's it's like one of those movies I feel like we all have those movies where it's like if we don't watch it at a certain age or as a, at a certain stage of our life we probably wouldn't have liked it or loved it as much as we we did. Um, I feel like a lot of people mention these types of movies. Um, this might be controversial, but I actually think when it comes to a lot of like David Fincher movies, this could also be applied. Like I I feel like so the Social Network and Fight Club are like also really good examples of this. Like if I not even from like my point of view, but I feel like a lot of people have actually said this to me. Like, it was like one of their favorite movies growing up, and it's like it's. I have this thought, like, like what if, what if you didn't watch it when you were like twelve or whatever? Like, how would you go about that? Like, watching it for the first time as like an adult, like maybe, maybe like you wouldn't have liked it as much as you did when you first saw it, um, when you really first saw it. And so yeah, I just wanted to like talk about it, um. And I, I, I just I have that thought. And I still think that anyone who hasn't watched it should because it is a really cool movie. But like, yeah, like, like I feel like this might get people thinking of like what I've been discussing. Like having an attachment to something because of when you watched it. And it's like thinking it's the greatest thing ever. But like in reality, like if you took yourself out of that situation, like, would you still think that? And yeah, um, it is a great movie, like, great direction, great screenplay. It is, like, endlessly quotable. Again, like, the set decoration and, like, set design and, um, like, the props and the, the costuming in that movie. I feel like that's also, like, one of the reasons why I really love it. Just the costuming is incredible. Um, yeah, like, so maybe, like, think about that. Like, think about, is it, like, is it your favorite movie? But it's, like, one of those movies, like, you don't know if it's your fave because of when you watched it. Um, and I feel like it's, that's a good way to end this. Um, if I could offer any advice, because I am clearly um, the biggest producer in Hollywood. Um, stop making movies cost more than, okay, maybe we'll raise up the stakes from 80 to 100 million. Um, yeah, so 
no movie should cost more than 100 million um if it is pushing 300 million you're insane you don't know what you're doing with your money yeah just like don't make don't make big blockbusters cost more than 100 million and like when i say an indie film i don't if your indie film has a budget of 25 million you are not an indie film you are a regularly funded film indie movies should not cost more than 2 million and like usually indie movies actually should cost a lot less than that but i'm saying i'm being generous no more than 2 million for indie movies um i i don't know like just like where is this budget going but anyways um dial of destiny drops this weekend um and i don't know like i had high hopes for it just because of like who was directing it the storyline um i just really love like the indiana jones movies um i really like uh crystal skull sorry sorry to everyone who hate, hated that movie but like it was fun like it's it's always on tv like it's one of those movies that they just play every single weekend and i think they should do more of that and they should start bringing in like it, it, it'll be interesting to see like what movies were, that were released recently start getting played on tv more and more because Chris, crystal skull is like one of those that's always on every single weekend and um yeah uh with that being said thanks for tuning in um i should have a new one up on wednesday i'm gonna try to post every wednesday but um yeah thanks for listening um bye i might end every every show with just a long prolonged goodbye bye